Hey, welcome to New Community Elkins Podcast. I'm the pastor, Bobby Benavides, and I am excited to have you with us. I hope you enjoy what you hear. I hope it encourages you and keeps you moving forward in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I feel like every Sunday so far, there's been something to where um, something heavy that has to be said, something heavy that has to be spoken about, and before announcements, um, before we actually go into the sermon series, um, you know, this is where many people either chime out because they're tired of hearing about things, or they actually engage. Um, you know, one of the things I want to talk about right now is just listening. <laughs> um, in James, it's very clear. It says, be be um, slow to speak and quick to listen, right? Or quick to listen, slow to speak. I always get those kind of back backwards. But, um, you know, I think right now we're in a season where a lot of people need to be quicker to listen and slower to speak. Because I think a lot of speaking is happening right now that's causing more damage than good, right? There's a lot of speaking that's happening that's great, right? That's bold. It's 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 raising awareness. It's speaking out on issues that are important. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who have their opinions, um, have their thoughts, have their, um, their way of living, their way of understanding, their experiences. And so they think that they can go ahead and speak into other people's feelings and emotions and experiences. Um, and that's wrong. That's wrong. So I'm going to just say that right now, that we as followers of Christ, number one, we have to look at Scripture and we have to understand what all of Scripture says, and we have to see it as a responsibility for all of us. It, 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 and if you're not a follower of Christ, I'm not going to hold you to what the Bible says. But if you are, I'm going to hold you to what the Bible says. And when the Bible says, be slow to speak and quick to listen, that means that sometimes we just need to shut our mouths and listen to what's going on. Listen to the pain. Listen to the hurt. Whether we agree with it or not, we need to listen because there's something in there that we need to hear and we need to be a part of. And it also says in James chapter 3, actually, and I, I have it open here, but, but basically what it's saying in that section of Scripture is about wisdom, but wisdom in what we say. We have to tame our tongue. It talks about the fact that our tongue can set a forest fire, right? Like a, a metaphorical forest fire that we can actually cause more damage than good if we speak too soon. And if we say things about people or about individual, about individuals, about groups, about whatever, um, that are that's wrong, poor, uh, that 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 causes more damage to that people group, um, because it says. Actually, it says in uh, verse 9 of chapter 3, it says, Our tongue, right, can be poisonous. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, which I think most of us are going to be doing right now, right? A lot of people are in church right now, are watching things online right now, are in their church buildings right now, and they're praising, they're blessing the Lord, and, and they're singing words about how great our God is, and how what a, maybe some people are saying, good, good Father. Maybe some people are saying a reckless love, right? Because it all is good right there. But then after praising, we'll go into cursing people who are made in the likeness of God. 
you see the, the what we're going to be talking about today in First Timothy is, is about praying for all people and then some other aspects of things that happen that, um, that I think the church has done kind of wrong in certain things. But, um, you know, and I know people don't like it when a pastor says the church has done something wrong, but it's a reality um, is that the church has done a lot of things wrong. And I think in this season, there are some people in the church who are doing great things and then there's some that are not doing such great things. And a lot of them are being because they're not being wise about what they're saying about people. That for some reason we think because either they're on a different uh, a political side than us or because they're taking part in actions that maybe we don't feel comfortable with or we don't agree with, we can say whatever we want about them and God's going to honor that. But we forget that every single person in this world carries the likeness of God. We are all created in his image. Whether we believe in him or not, we are still created in his image and we have to understand that. And we think sometimes that just because they're not on the same political side, that there's no way they can be connected with Jesus. And my brothers and sisters, I'm saying that's wrong. Don't fall for this. Because this is the scheme of the enemy, that he's going to get the church to start eating themselves and killing themselves because we can't agree either politically or we can't agree whether or not we should be speaking out on on, on, on Black Lives Matter or whether or not we should be staying silent. What, like all this stuff that does not fit into Christianity, the enemy is using to kill us. And this is not the sermon, but I feel like every Sunday so far I've had to start something or I've gone into something heavy, and I'm sorry if this bothers you, but I'm, I'm at a point now where I feel like as a pastor, as a leader of a church, that I need to speak and I'm not speaking directly. I'm, 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 I'm challenging everybody in this. That because everybody has pain, everybody has something, but if we choose not to listen because we want to speak over, because we live in a land of one-upmanship, right? When we look at that, I don't even know if that's a word, but that's what we're in. I feel like we are in a place where everybody wants to one-up each other with either their experience or their personal hurt, or and they just don't listen to people's stories. And so then it just it causes tension and frustration and bitterness. And then we say hateful words about people whether they did something wrong or not, we're going to say something hateful about them because they're not on our side. Wrong. Please stop it. I beg of you. This is like this is my plea to the church right now, and, and to our church especially. If you are in this church and we look at ourselves as a place for community, for caring for people, for strengthening families, how can we do that if we're speaking negatively and hatefully about people because they think differently than us or because they look differently than us because they vote differently than us that is not how we're supposed to live as followers of jesus and i, I don't blame the world the world's supposed to do that followers of christ are supposed to be completely different and we are failing when we continue to bite and get hateful instead of listening we speak too soon and cause more damage. And I'm challenging you this morning, before we get into the sermon, to think about how you're speaking about people who carry the image of God. Because even your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your second cousin, your great-great-grandfather, right? Your, the, the person who's marching down the street right now, the person who voted Republican, the person who voted Democrat, the person who voted Libertarian, all of them carrying the image of God. And if we don't believe that, which it's here in the Bible, it says it, right? And I'm holding it upside down, right side up, it doesn't matter. 
the reality of it is, is that it's in here. And if we're going to claim Christianity, then we got to hold on to what's spoken here. Pastors need to watch what they're saying. Because we are in charge of the flock. And if we are causing hate and damage, anger, bitterness in our congregation because we hold a certain perspective, we're going to be held accountable to that. That's in First Timothy, which we'll be learning about next week in that piece. Right? There's a lot to this, and I, and I don't want to overwhelm this piece, but, I, but I'm just saying right now, please, 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 I implore you to consider your words and what it carries. Because we are adding to the hurt when we are supposed to be peacemakers, when we are supposed to be bridge builders, when we're supposed to be people who are edifying and uplifting, and when we are constantly putting people down in the name of Jesus, we are ignoring the image that they carry. So think about that, please, this morning. Well, here we are um, going into our first Timothy series, um, talking about doctrine, talking about healthy faith, and what does that really look like for us. And so I'm excited again to move into uh, part two of this series, uh, which is basically chapter two. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we are in chapter two of uh, First Timothy, and um, this is a this is honestly it's a it's a heavy section of scripture because the reality of it is is that this section of scripture has been used um, far too often to really uh, cause some some tension and to create some separation um, has caused a rift in the church um, <laughs> along the way uh, just the church capital C um, the understanding of women in ministry the understanding of women teaching um, and so we're going to talk about some things that are pretty heavy this morning. Um, and I'm going to hopefully shine some light on, on what's actually happening in this section of Scripture. Because the reality of it is, is that when we look at Scripture, especially, this is an old document, right? I mean, it's it's old. So when you think about it, you got to go back into context. you got to think about what was happening in those moments to where this, when this is written, what's actually occurring in the words. And, and how does it affect us today, Right. Because all of it does. Everything comes into and applies to the church today. And so how does that really work? Um, it's just like when you read any other uh, source material, right? When you read any other book, like a book that is focused on um, the happenings of the past, you, you kind of think about, okay, man, this is written during uh, this section of history. And so, wow, this is why it means this. You know, this is what's going on. And so, um, so there's a lot here that we're going to work through, but we have to understand the context, right? So again, as we spoke about last week, Timothy is a letter from, from Paul, the Apostle Paul. Paul writes this to Timothy. is a church in Ephesus, and Paul and Timothy had a great connection. Paul actually handed off the church to Timothy to lead, and he's encouraging Timothy to, to lead the church well. Timothy's a young man um, trying to get people to you know, grasp what, what, he's, um, what he's doing and, and trying to work through some cultural issues because the reality of it is, too, in this time, is that you have the Jewish believers who are still kind of holding on to the legalism, um, the the rules and regulations of Judaism, and they're and they're carrying it over into their new Christian faith, and they're trying to balance out what does it mean to live in freedom, right? What does it mean to really live free in Jesus, free from the the overbearing 
law that, that maybe um, caused more harm than good over time because they, they've created more man rules than God rules. And so it made it more difficult for people to understand the relationship with God that way. And so they're carrying that over into the new church. And then the Greek culture is coming in and, and these new Greek converts are trying to understand who Jesus is. When they've come from a mythological point of view, they've come from uh, different styles of living. They've come through different ideas of uh, an understanding of who they're supposed to be. And, and so now they're coming into an understanding of who Christ is calling them to be. So you have a battle going on within that church because, you know, this is way different than what we see today, of course, is that you have people who think one way and a group who thinks another way, and, and they just can't get along, and so then they bicker, and then you see some people leaving, and, you know, totally different than what you'd ever see in the church today, right? Um, so, anyway, you this is what's happening here. So we're going to be looking at the entirety of chapter 2. Don't worry, it's not crazy long, but we're going to be looking at it, and I'm going to be picking it apart to help you kind of grab onto what's actually being said, because... Um, again, like I've said, people have just read it without looking at context and looking at um, the actual word usage, and so then they use it to create a separation. And, and what we're going to see is that maybe Paul wasn't really writing that way in this letter. So with that being said, let me pray, and we'll move into a time of study. Father God, thank you. Thank you again for this morning. Thank you, God, for being with us in this place. Thank you, God, for people who are way smarter than me, who've done the, uh, the work of translating and, and working through uh, ancient documents to understand the words that are being spoken here. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you speak through this, that you bring some peace, some freedom, lift off some burdens, Lord God, some weight from our shoulders, and that we can embrace uh, what Paul's truly writing in this moment for us. Lord, again, we praise you. We thank you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's get into it. Um, so we're going to be looking at the first verse of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. The first verse, again, I look, um, these uh, verses are from the English Standard Virgin, 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 excuse me, Version, um, the ESV. And so you can actually go on to this section. Um, you can look at your scriptures and you'll understand what's being said. It's just, this is the translation I use. So here we go. 1 Timothy Chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of of the truth. So let's go ahead and stop there because <laughs> even in that first bit, you're like, whoa, right? Because that's a heavy message from Paul given to Timothy to share with the church of Ephesus that look, we're praying for all people. All people, not just all people who think like us, not all people who are connected to our families, not all people who we've had interactions with, all people. Because in this place, all people need to be prayed for. In this space, in this world, all people need to be covered in prayer, supplication, intercession, thanksgiving, right? We don't just pray for thanksgiving of our close friends. We thank God for placing his image in all people, right? That's what we thank God for. We pray for their lives to be focused and refocused on Jesus, right? Because that's, that's what he desires. At the end of that section, right, it says that 
he, he desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, and the truth is Jesus. And so in that, he's saying, look, we want all people to know this, and so we should be praying for all people. And then he says, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Now, what does this actually mean? What does this actually mean? Because this is where we get kind of caught up, right? Because we do believe... If you look at Scripture, and we do see in Scripture that he says that God places all people into their roles, right? God places all people into their leadership roles, and that, that, is, that is it. He, doesn't, he hasn't picked and cho chosen, you know, like he, he doesn't have specific people going like, this is, this is mine. Like Jesus was his one, right? And he said that. That's mine. Like he is my Savior. But all people who are in leadership are the people he has placed in leadership. So when we pray... We should be praying for all people who are in leadership, whether it doesn't say if they fit in your political party. It doesn't say if they if they believe in what you believe is we pray for all people in leadership. Why? Because we want this is what's clear is that we pray for all kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You see. What's interesting is we take this piece and we only pray for the people who are in, like, it's like we only want to celebrate the people who are in our, our side, on our side, right? We want to only be lifting up people who are on our side. And then we want to go ahead and talk dirty about the people who are not on our side, as I just spoke about earlier and before we started here, is that for some reason we create teams and he's like, no, no. <laughs> We are supposed to live quiet, peaceful, godly, and dignified in every way type life. So you pray for people in leadership. You pray for their wisdom. But ultimately, you pray for God to come into their lives and for them to be leading in, in a way that is honoring to our Creator. But whatever they do in their leadership should not affect how you pray for them because you're ultimately praying for them to have a sight of God, right? To, that they, they, they have a, an image of God in their mind, that they actually start thinking the way God would want them to think, and they start leading the way that God would want them to lead. Doesn't matter who they are, you just pray for them, and you lead a peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified life. And this is where we get challenged, because our language towards our leadership can really hinder our ability to be quiet and peaceful. Now, I'm not saying that we don't speak out on, on, on injustices. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying don't speak out on things that are wrong. He doesn't say, like, if you see something wrong, don't just be quiet, just let it go, you know, just pray. No, like, you take action on that. But you don't need to be speaking negatively, heavily, right, or, 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 or being so um, harsh toward... Uh, leaders, because again, God is the one who's in charge of this piece. And if we are believing the word of God, then we pray for those people in those positions, and we remain peaceful. And, and, and I'm. This is where we challenge, right? This is where it gets tough because um, I've had a lot of heavy conversations with some people recently about um, politics, and I'm not going to get heavy into politics, but I am going to say that when we talk about Republican Democrat, all of a sudden there's like. <laughs> Right. And once I say something, oh, you must be this way. You say, oh, I say this. Oh, no, you're on this side. No, I honestly, I'm not on anybody's side because I don't believe that's what I see in Scripture. 
that we don't worship. I heard a friend of mine say this, um, and, and, and I loved it, and so I'm going to steal it right now because we don't worship an elephant or a donkey. We worship the Lion of Judah, right? That is who we worship. So for me, I'm not going to take a side. I'm going to pray. And when I see things that don't line up with the Word of God, I'm going to speak out about them because I want the Word of God to be at the center. And I want that to guide me. And I want then that's what we should be desiring as well. And so this is where it gets tense, right? In that first section, he's challenging Timothy. <laughs> and he's giving me the great ability to go ahead and read this section of scripture because for some reason he placed this series in, in my lap. So that's fun. But he challenged Timothy, shared with the church that, look, this is what I want you to do. Whether you don't like a leader or not, you still pray for him. Whether you don't like your neighbor or not, you still pray for him. Whether you don't like a certain person, you still pray for him. Why? Because you're praying for all people, for them to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth of Jesus. There you go. So I'm not going to harp on that too much longer, but read it. Pray it through because it's important. And here we go. For there is one God... There is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Wow. This this book is loaded, okay? Like and I and I admit that. I could easily take that one I could take each section of scripture that I'm reading and and go for probably the full year. Um but I'm trying to narrow it down, right? But there's only one God, one mediator between God and men. That's Jesus. So Jesus is the only one who is the, that we speak to, and he's the one who's going to be for us in God. So we talk to him. We ask him for clear guidance. The Spirit moves us, right? He gave his all for us. That is important to know. And so we should not be lifting, we should be lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. That means, okay, again, that in the church, that when we are praying, when we are seeking God, that we should be lifting our holy hands, not looking at our brother or sister next to us, or even our brother and sister outside of us, with anger and ready to fight. Because again, as in James, what I spoke about earlier, is that we can't be speaking angry words after praising God. You can't be cursing someone who carries the image of God right after you praise God. Which is about the time that many of you guys have the ability right now to go ahead and just, oh, well, then I'm going to shut it off because I want to continue being angry, right? No, like we should be seeking faith. We should be seeking healing, restoration, reconciliation in our hearts so we carry that into the world. And that we need to be desiring Jesus more than our own opinions to be right. We need to be desiring Jesus and following what he speaks and looking at what the scripture says and listening to the spirit and let that guide our words, our deeds for his glory. Right? So he desires that in every place, right, the men, women should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. We need to be thinking about what are we doing right now to be peacemakers, to really be reconciling relationships and healing and restor restoring our communities and families and everything around us. Because when we lift holy hands, we cannot be carrying anger and bitterness and fighting in our hearts. Just can't do it.
And if you are doing it, then you need to stop because actually this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, is that if you have a problem with somebody, you know somebody has a problem with you, then you need to stop your, your altar giving. You need to stop what you're, you're offering and you need to go find that person. You need to make a right. You need to restore something. You need to do what you can do to make sure that you're trying to make things right. And that's on you. That's what you carry. This is your responsibility. You don't, it's not up to them, right, to, to, to give you peace. Jesus is the one who's already given you that peace. He's the one who's given you life. He's given you restoration with God. But you have a responsibility to release your anger and your bitterness and your frustration and go and speak and heal and restore. And then if they don't, if they respond in a hateful way or they don't accept your, that's on them. You do your part. And your part is to pray and to lift up holy hands without being angry and fighting. Don't look, don't get mad at me right now, right? This is just what the scripture is saying. So now, moving into here. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. Now, again, he's kind of carrying over. Likewise, also that women, because women should be praying, like I said in um, the last piece, is that it's kind of like women are expected to be praying too. It's just, this is just carrying over. So likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness. With good works, no, yeah, with good works, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now don't shut down that yet, ladies, because I'm going to clear this up. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Like I said, this section of scripture has caused some damage within the church because it's caused a lot of tension, a lot of separation, a lot of, um, you know, this is people, authority, all that stuff. And we're going to talk about this in a second. So, likewise, women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel. Now, again, culturally, right, what's happening here? This is the Greek culture. This is everybody's kind of like they, they've kind of gone to excess in a lot of things. They've made themselves um, look luxurious. And a lot of these people are kind of carrying this idea of the better I look, right, then the more God will love me. <laughs> it's not like anything we do in church today, right? The, the nicer clothes that I wear, then apparently it looks like I'm in a better standing with God. And Or um, if I have a lot of awesome jewelry on, or if I have this, or if I have that, it's like, look, it's not about that. Don't draw attention to yourself in the church. It's all about Jesus. And when you're trying to draw attention to yourself with all of your bling, he's saying, look, stop that. It's not about the idea of, it's not even about like how you're dressing, really. It's about the reason for it, Right? The reason that we come to church, the reason that we worship, the reason that we're here is because we want to lift up our voices and our holy hands to Jesus and focus on him. But if you're wearing stuff, and this goes for men too, if you're wearing stuff that draws attention to you, then you're missing the point. And we have to realize what our focus is. That if, we're, if we are trying to draw attention to ourselves, then we're taking away from Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. Stop that. Because especially if we're professing godliness and we want to do good works, then don't draw attention to ourselves. Point to the reason why we're worshiping. But now let's get to the point, the point that's really difficult. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Now, what has been said for many years and for um, many people is that this is where we get the idea that women are not allowed to preach or teach or be a part of that. Now, again, 
I'm not doing this to cause divisiveness. I'm not causing. I'm not doing this to cause any tension. I'm just going to say that what I've seen in Scripture and what I read in Scripture, and, and when I've done some studying, because there are people who have actually gone deeper into the history and the word usage than I ever could, because that's not my mind. I don't do that. I love to read. I'm not going to study like that heavy, heavy. Okay, that's just not what I do. I'm not going to go into deep word usage. But the Aramaic, the Greek that's being kind of spoken of right here, is talking about new converts. New converts. Now, this is actually kind of, a, a, again, this section of Scripture is all put together because it's actually combining men and women. But he uses these terms in this way for a reason. But honestly, it, it ultimately, it's just man and woman. Look, if you're a new convert to the faith... I am not going to allow you to start speaking into this because you have a lot to learn. You're, you're coming out of a culture that you aren't that you aren't you aren't familiar with, and so if you're newly converted, don't speak into this yet. Right now, remain quiet, listen, and learn. Right, and so for these men who have been in this because it's been a primor primarily um, man. Look at context, cultural context meaning that's what's in that piece here so i'm hoping that this sheds some light on what's being said here i'm probably um you know probably not doing enough on this but at the same time like this is what has been you know theologians um, language scholars this is what they say in this and so i'm going to go with them because they have the degrees and the the initials after their name that i don't have and so i'm going to trust that what they're saying about this is legit and so um, if you want to study it on your own, go for it. I challenge you to do it. It's good. Um, and if you want to go after it, let's, let's, let's talk about that. But this is what's being said here. Okay, so there you go. And our denomination, by the way, um, just to let people know, our denomination is very open and, and pushes and loves the idea of having women in leadership. And so um, that's one of the main reasons why I jumped on with them, because they see an equality, um, a dignity, an identity that God has placed in everybody to be on this piece. So there you go. That's that. Okay, I'm going to stop there to move on to this. And now, last piece. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness of self-control. Now, again, this is a section of scripture, this piece here, that can cause some damage. Because what we have to understand is that um, in that culture, in that understanding, they were saying, well, look, Adam was deceived too. And Adam was the one who caused the problems. Well, okay, we see in the Old Testament that Eve was deceived. Eve was Eve was the reason why we, we have we have the problems, right? Um, well, okay, let me say that right. Eve is the one that kind of got deceived by the serpent, ate the fruit, and that caused the damage. Adam, though, if you read Genesis, Adam is standing right there. He had the ability to speak into it. He chose not to for some reason. We don't know. But um, he allowed for stuff to happen there that, that shouldn't have happened. So that's that. But yet she'll be safe through childbearing. And now this is a section that causes a lot of people hurt because you have women in, in women who are unable to have children, right, who, who have not been able to have children of their own. And so this becomes a weight on them. So look, I'm not going to be saved through childbearing, like, so I don't have kids. I'm not going to be able to do this if they continue in faith and love and holiness or self-control. Like, I'm not, like, so am I not, look, that is the worst way that this could be translated. And unfortunately, the church has used it to cause that damage. And I'm, and I'm apologizing to that because, because this is not what's being said. 
Because really, what's really being said here is that there are children, right, spiritual and physical. This is actually the Aramaic term that when it's when they when they go into that translation, um, is that the childbearing aspect of things is who you are nurturing, who you are raising and being a part of and lifting up. So so spiritual and and physical, um, biological. I don't, I don't know what the right word is there, but. The children that you are helping to lift up and encourage in the faith, that's where you are going to be honored and, and, and encouraged in the church. But also some translators say this, and, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, is that some theologians actually believe that what is being said here too is that Mary giving birth to Jesus was actually how salvation came, and which is true. That's what we see in scripture as well. Um, and so through that, we are to continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control because of Jesus being born through woman uh, to us here on earth. So this, again, like this First Timothy series is going to be a lot of breaking down scripture, an understanding of what do we believe, why do we believe, and how, how is it being taught in this moment. Um, and this section, like I said, has caused some damage because it hasn't been translated correctly or it hasn't been used correctly. And some people, again, this is going to mess up their authoritarian view of like, like, well, wait a second, this is how I've always understood it, so it must be right. Well, as people learn and listen and progress, we will learn and gain new insight into what the scriptures are really saying. Right? It, it doesn't take away from it. It actually adds to it. It actually brings dignity back into our lives, into the lives of, of women, into the lives of um, leaders, into the lives of our, of our, into our prayer life, into understanding who we pray for and why we pray for them. Right? Because praying for leaders, like what he says in the beginning about praying for all people, like it doesn't mean you have to respect them. Right? Like I'm not like I'm not saying this either way. I'm just saying like like sometimes people say like, look, it says pray for them, so you have to love them and you have to you love them. You have to respect them. Eh, I mean, like, if they're not doing things that are right, like, no, like, but you still pray for them, right? And you, you don't speak anger towards them. You don't, you don't get hateful toward them. You just pray for them and you remain quiet and peaceful, but you speak out on the things that are necessary to speak out on. There's that. You lift up women. You encourage women. You don't use the word of God as an authority over people. Like, this is, like, I mean, the, you, you, you don't weigh people down. With stuff that if you aren't willing to do the work to translate it and understand it, then don't use it to back up stuff that causes damage. That's not how it works. right? That's never how it's been supposed to be. We focus on the Word of God. We learn from it. But we have to hold the truth in our hands. And we have to let it embed in our hearts, in our minds. And we have to take time to learn it. There are resources out there that are free for you to learn what's being said. And there are plenty of people who are studying it up and understanding it. And I just want to challenge you in this section. Like, I want you to be learning scripture. I want you to understand what's being said, the background. But, you know, at the same time, like, I have to be able to teach it well, too. And I have to teach what I see. Not my opinion, but what scholars say who take the time to learn that. And I have to speak the truth. And this is what we see. Women have a place. Women are honored. Women are not supposed to be pushed down by men. Never was the, never was the case, ever. They have a place in the church and leadership and speaking and teaching. We pray for people, all people, 
separation is never a part of the church. We have to lead well. We have to guide well. We have to teach well. And so this is my way of saying to you, I hope and I pray that this has been a burden lifted, maybe a challenge inwardly. I don't know. But I hope that we learn and we listen. So that, let me pray and then we'll worship together. Father, again, thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you, God, for what you had speaking, or you had Paul share with the church. Lord, thank you for Timothy and his leadership. God, thank you for what you're doing here. And God, there's things that are working out inside of us right now. I think there's things that as we hear some of these things, we, we do get, we have some anger that rises up. We have some frustration that rises up. God, work on that. Lord, heal that. Restore us to what you want us to be, Father, for your church to rise up, for your glory to shine through us. Use us, speak to us, teach us, and help us to do this correctly for your right word, for your truth to be known. God, you came for everybody. Not a specific group, everybody. Let us pray that way. Let us worship that way. Let us honor you in that way. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Community Elkins podcast. Um, again, I am Pastor Bobby Benavides, and I really appreciate you joining us. I hope the message was encouraging. I hope it challenged you in your journey with Jesus and moves you to a deeper relationship with your Creator. Have a great week.